Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mercy is the mark of a great man. Oh. Oh. Guess I'm just a good man. Oh. Well, I'm all right. You are not Captain Kirk. You do not belong in charge of the Enterprise, and I shall do everything in my power against you. You know what the chain of command is? It's a chain I go get and beat you with, do you understand who's in command here? Frequently appalled by the low regard you Earthmen have for life. You stuck-up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf-herder! Put a in it! And stop shouting! I'm not deaf! I got a bad feeling about this. It is somewhat stimulating. Welcome to SFP Now. Here is your host, Ian M. Collins. Okay, um, welcome to the uh, first episode of SFP Now of the new year. The first episode of 2014, people, and um, with me to go over news, reviews, and uh, and general um, sci-fi talk, um, is Patrick Hayes. Welcome to the show, Pat. Thanks, Ian. Happy New Year. And Happy New Year to you. Um, i just got to say, we've got a pretty damn good interview lined up later on with, uh, with, 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 with a friend of mine called Saidi Tan. He, uh, he, he, he writes uh, comics for a living. Cool. Yeah, so he's, he's got like one of the coolest jobs out there. Um, you know, so when he's not wasting time on PlayStation Network, um, playing games and stuff like that, he's writing comic books. He's, you know, he's he's one of, he's he's a cool guy. I've met him a few times, and uh, you know, he, in 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 this interview, he's talking about some of the new projects he's working on, along long, alongside some some projects that we've known about for a while. So looking forward to people having the opportunity to hear that. But on onto the news this week. We've got quite, you know, the new year. It's been funny old, uh, funny old few weeks. It's been quiet. It has. It's kind of scary. Which, which is kind of scary because it means that something's going to happen, or it's just going to get sudden, get very noisy. Uh, <laughs> but one bit of news I came across, which left me scratching my head, was uh, I think it's probably a rumor, more likely a rumor, given the stature of the actor, but. Uh, there's a there's a talk that Denzel Washington is going to be playing, you, you know, is in negotiations to play the Green Lantern in the um, in in the Man of Steel two Superman versus Batman film. I heard that as well. And you know, and and I bet you're scratching your head like I am. Yeah, I'm, I I'd be surprised if it was true. I mean, it'd be great. I'd love to see him playing um, Green Lantern, John Stewart. And it would give Denzel a big uh, high-file, high-profile franchise to get his hands into, and uh, nothing like an Oscar winner playing a Green Lantern. Yeah, but what you got to ask yourself is, um, you know, given given the um, various different roles that he has played over the last sort of like ten, twenty years, um, does he really need to get involved in a, a high-flying franchise? Um, you know. Um, because you know he's proved that he can play pretty much any role. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, spending... he hasn't. Uh, he, he in his earlier in his career before he started hitting the dramas, and like he's great in the dramas. He would gravitate more towards the um, 
the the science fiction stuff and even a little bit of uh, a horror stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember. I mean, was it Virtuosity? Right, with a very young Russell Crowe. Yeah, I, I remember that film. Uh, I think Russell Crowe played the uh, played played the, the the computer hacker, didn't he? The uh... no, he was a, a computer program brought to life in the real world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, that uh, that happened he... to be a serial killer. Yeah, and uh, I think uh, Denzel Denzel likes doing the action stuff, but he hasn't really done a big time science fiction action movie. And he might be looking at this as him trying that out. He's, I think he's kind of interested in the superhero thing. He's got some kids. Um, I think it'd be a good mix. Yeah. Do you not think he might be a bit old for it now, though? Because he's he's what he's he's probably on the um, he's probably in his fifties, right? Yeah, but I think because if he's if he is going to be in this Batman Superman movie, you have to remember they're going for a Batman that's at least ten years older than Superman, and might even be playing. Ben Affleck said he's going to be an older Batman. I think if you had an older Green Lantern, it could work out because you could always say that he's been Green Lantern for a while, but he's been in outer space for so long he returns to Earth. Okay, I, I, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. Yeah, I'm, the, threat, I'm just... the threat of Superman would bring a Green Lantern to Earth. I could buy into it. I could see it happen. Yeah, and, um, you know, so like uh, Green Lantern could turn his, you know, could you use a ring to produce a, a chainsaw? And uh, take out Zack Snyder, so we'll have a less gritty, darker Superman film <laughs> for the third movie. <laughs> you know? um, but do you, you know? Do you not think that the um, they got Wonder Woman in this film, uh, right. played by the lady from Fast and the Furious, who says that she's going to bulk up, right? Um, and uh, do a lot of gym work to to sort of like get get the right sort of like body shapes going. Right. Um, and we've got Batman in the film. Um, and now we could have Green Lantern in the film. And there's talk of Nighthawk making an appearance in the film as well. Right. Do you not feel that they're, make, they're making a Man of Steel film here and they're getting all these superheroes in from, from the DCU? Do you not feel that it's kind of a disaster waiting to happen, the way they're doing it? Because, you know, if you if you look at how Marvel did it, which was a much better approach. They they made the individual films first, and then brought these these characters together. Right, I I agree. I think I think Warner's is is rushing it. They they want some of that Avengers money, so I think they're trying to push as many characters they can into this movie for a cameo, so they can spin them off into their own into their own movies or into a Justice League movie for the next one. Mm-hmm. Well, spin them off into their own movies. The fact that they've cast virtually um, an unknown to people that are not fans of the Fast and Furious franchise uh, to play Wonder Woman is is quite tugging. Yeah. Yeah, They're looking for somebody that they can get at the lowest possible price and keep for at least three or four movies. Mm -hmm. Um, And and her salary will probably, you know, drag and go up. um, But uh, moving on a little bit, um, your thoughts very quickly on the Dot 2 Christmas episode. I was disappointed. I was I was disappointed too. I, I I don't know if my hopes were too high. I I thought it was an okay story, but it just seemed really drawn out to me. It could have been done in half an hour. I thought. Mm, yeah, I mean, I I just think that they you know they spent way too much time on the planet Trans War. I didn't yeah. like the fact that he was in a town called Christmas. You know, yeah. I I I'm personally getting a bit jaded with the with the whole Dot Two Christmas thing. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think they should do. You know, they they should be brave. I mean, they used to show the towering inferno on Christmas Day when I was a kid. 
you know, so what they should do, instead of referencing Christmas, because the Tower Inferno, you know, as far as, as, far as I remember, it didn't have anything to do with Christmas. There was no snowmen in it or Santas or, 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 or towns called Christmas. What they should do is they should just do a normal Dot 2 episode... Yeah, but spend a bit more money on it, on, on the action set pieces, and, and just get rid of the whole fucking notion of Christmas. <laughs> bar humbug. And it's not bar humbug, you know, so like, um, we, you know, we have EastEnders already doing all the Christmas stuff and, and uh, ruining it, because, you know, every time they have an EastEnders episode at Christmas, somebody either dies or, right. or ends up broke or ends up arrested or something. Um so, you know, we'll get the soaps deal with all that. And I think, think Doctor Who over Christmas should, you know, go back to just being Doctor Who and not being Doctor Who at Christmas. Right. I, I agree. I think they'd still get the ratings, even if it wasn't a Christmas-themed episode. If you just say a special episode of Doctor Who this Christmas, it'd still go over just as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think it would too. Um, it was up against Coronation Street this year. which How did it do? It did all right, actually. It got 7 million viewers. Oh. Uh, which was quite quite surprising, really, given that Coronation Street is the um, you know it's always it's always a high rated soap, and right. when 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 Dot Who was put up against Coronation Street in the late eighties when the show was kind of dying, um, it got absolutely trounced. Um, but I wouldn't encourage the BBC to schedule the Christmas episode of Dot Who um, up against Coronation Street every year. In fact, I was bloody annoyed I did it this year. <laughs> because my sister loves Coronation Street, and I was at, I was at my sister's place when it was on, and um, oh. I I had to uh, promise to keep my mouth shut through the entire TV standers, so I could watch Doctor Who on Christmas Day. <laughs> you know, just you just so I, I did. I I managed to, I managed to keep stum through EastEnders and some other soaps she had on afterwards. Oh my gosh! Um, but I, you know, I I just saw I got my Kindle. Started playing some games, plugged the headphones in, and just didn't talk to anybody for two hours. Because, you know, I hate soaps. <laughs> but, yeah, I was kind of disappointed. I felt, you know, what I, I think what, what I, I would have done is I probably would have wrapped Matt Smith's storing iron up in half an hour and spent the last half hour on Peter Capaldi. I absolutely. Because. Absolutely. As soon as we got that regeneration. I, and I'm sure a bunch of other people, screamed at the TV as soon as the credits started to roll. I was like, no, it's too quick. Yeah, it was It was too quick as well. He just suddenly regenerated, and, and, and that was it. Um, and, and the annoying thing is, we're not going to see him until autumn. I know, and that was just even even worse. And as soon as I found that out, I screamed even louder at the TV. Yeah, I, 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 um, I can't imagine you screaming... Um, at the TV, uh, well, I can actually, but you know, so like, uh, I, I always kind of think of you as a quite a dignified, uh, calm school teacher. Oh no! In front of the TV, the uh, the teacher gloves come off. <laughs> I'm, I'm screaming at that TV during Doctor Who, during The Walking Dead. I'm terrible. <laughs> yeah, I, I, do, I don't generally scream through The Walking Dead. I, I generally just don't have it on. <laughs> no, I sit there and go, no, you didn't. Yeah, I got, I got, um, you know, sadly, I, I just couldn't get into The Walking Dead after that, after, you know, I got into the first season, I liked the first season fine, second season, they spent way too much time on that farm, and, you know, by, by, by that point, I just had enough, you know, I gave up the will to live and just moved on to something else. 
you walked away. I, 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 um, I, I ambled away and took out half a dozen zombies uh, while I did I, I just don't really get the zombie thing. It's not really um, my, 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 my cup of tea is a zombie thing. I've, I've always been more for vampires and werewolves. Right. I could, I could do either. If you throw all three together, I'm a happy camper. Mm. Well, it sounds a bit perverse, actually, but let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> um but talk, talking about uh talk, talking about you know things come i'm really excited as i was telling you before we started recording um i treat myself for my birthday to uh to, to a playstation 4 Ooh. and you know you won't believe some of the sci-fi games that are coming out playstation 4 this it is something called the order 1886 1882 sorry which is kind of like a steampunk um, action adventure set in a set in a post-industrial London. Uh, I should imagine Queen Victoria still kind of on the throne. Oh wow! And stuff like that, and I just love stuff like that where you you, you have it in 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 a time frame that's in the past, and they've got weapons that are that are way more advanced than what we, what they should be having. Right. You know, I, I just love that sort of stuff. Um, and there was a gaming series called Resistance uh, Fallen Man on the PS3 system when PS3 first came out. And it was set in the 1950s. And um, it was set in a parallel Earth where, um, you know, aliens had invaded Earth shortly after the Second World War. And, um, and, and um, you know, virtually wiped out most of humanity, um, oh. with the exception of a few, um, few splinter resistance groups. And um, it was sort of like third, was kind of, that was kind of like a first-person, third-person shooter sort of thing. But the story was uh, the story was just as intense as the uh, as the shooting. So you know, I'm quite looking forward to that, and um, I'm hoping to um, eventually at some point, hopefully, do some some games-related interviews on on the podcast. So if anyone listens to the podcast and they're a gamer or or they know game designers and stuff like that, please get in touch. Um, you know, we can be reached. I can be reached at Ian at Sci-Fi Post on that. Yeah, that'd be great. So that that'd be cool. But other than Doctor Who and the um and the Green Lantern news for the uh for for the for, for the Justice League, is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, couple couple Star Wars stories are floating around the internet. Oh yeah, you know, I think I think I posted one yesterday. Um, it looks like they could be going forward with Boba Fett movie, and um, I believe Lawrence Kasdan is writing it. Right. Which is um, great news. Yeah, I think they're going to go for it. I think Boba, a Boba Fett movie would be a very safe movie for them to do, and you'd get fans of all ages coming in to see a Bounty Hunter movie. Mm-hmm. It, it does make sense, because if you think about it, the origin of Boba Fett was kind of like tackled rather half-heartedly and rather loosely in the, um, in the Star Wars prequel movies. So they can cash in on that, and can they can also cash in on the fan base of Boba Fett from the um, from 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 the from, from the Empire Strikes Back and Return of Jedi. Absolutely, and you he's know. been in countless books and comic books since then. I mean, they've gotten to the point where Boba Fett's running around now with his granddaughter. So did he did he actually survive the fog into the Sarlacc pit at the end of the Jedi? Did he get oh, away? Oh yeah, they um, they did that in the comic books right away. They had him come out of the Sarlacc pit and in the uh, books as well. He came out. Uh, so so the Sarlacc pit spat him out. Yeah, he couldn't couldn't digest him because of his armor supposedly. Oh, uh, well, that, that 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 that's kind of convenient. Yeah, good thing he had all that on him. Yeah, well, you got you know you got got to admit though, um, all the other bounty hunters in in that um. You know, in that final, f- 
final fight over the um on 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 the um on the things over the over the Sangat pit, uh, you know they were all more or less wearing leather armor, whereas Boba Fett was wearing sort of like proper armor. So it does kind of make sense as well. Right, and he went into the pit wearing he's got a missile on his back. He went into the pit with that missile on his back, so they could always do that as a way to get out. Mm hmm. Um, and, and the pits developed a case of irritable bowel, which is why that particular part of Tatooine really stinks now. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's true, I kid you not. Um, I think the other piece of news that you're likely going to want to talk about is the uh, whole um, thing with Marvel taking the comics back. Yeah, uh, let me get some Kleenex here as I start to talk about that. Yeah, people uh, yeah, wouldn't yeah, wrong really idea. We, anybody who follows Star Wars knew that it was going to happen. Once uh, Disney got a hold of Lucasfilm, um, and since Disney owns Marvel Comics, it was only a matter of time that Disney would tell Dark Horse, mm. okay, we weren't, we're going to take the property back. And they, official, they made it official um, last week that um, Star Wars is now going to be published by Marvel Comics. Mm. Dark Horse has had the property for um, over 20 years, and they've just done a tremendous job with it. I mean, Marvel had to cancel the book due to low sales um, back in the uh, 80s, or no, in the 90s. So this is, this is going to be a big change in the comic book, and they're just going to stop all the continuity. So I'm really interested to see who they're going to put on that book, writing it and drawing it, because it's going to have to tie into the movies pretty tightly probably brian michael bendis they'll get him to write everything yeah he could do it i mean i would love to see even uh peter david would be an outstanding choice mm -hmm. and um back when uh the book was being done at marvel originally walt simonson was a uh, co-writer and artist on uh, some of the better stories you know what i think they should do hmm. they should pick it up from where dark horse is left off keep the dark horse continuity and just run with that you that know, that's I'd, a sensible move. It, it'd be it'd be sensible, but I think they're just gonna trash it all and carry on their own way. Mm. But it'd be sensible to go with the Dark Horse uh, storylines because a lot of the fans that buy the comics that are also going to go see the movies are invested in those storylines, and you know it just makes sense. Right. I have it. Well, it seems like a lot of the artists are saying they have um, a lot of the creators. I've been reading a lot say they have about eight more issues to go, so they're good through August. So you're going to probably have a year without Star Wars comics. Sadly, I think that's enough time for the fan base to kind of forget about it, and they can get people hooked into this new upcoming movie for uh, 2015. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, the movie. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting, and I'm, the stories are going to start leaking out. I mean, they've got things built already, so it's only a matter of time. Mm -hmm. A story we ran just before Christmas, um, it was probably early December this was released, was um, uh, concerning another favourite franchise of ours, uh, the Indiana Jones films. And Disney apparently said that they're, that, that they're, they're probably looking at, it's probably going to be about two years before they even start to look at or even consider an Indiana Jones film. Right, that got me really excited. I I'm, I'm really would like to see some more Indiana Jones stuff, especially books or comic books would be fantastic. I want to see TV series. I mean, they did the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, which was great. Loved that series. Um, but it was a little bit, um, shall we say, skewed toward, you know, giving giving uh, kids a little bit of an insight into history. Which that yeah, that was the whole premise of the series. It was it was supposed it was set up so that Lucas could have teachers show it in their classrooms. Which was also great. Um, I mean, you know, so like um, I, I I enjoyed the I enjoyed the fact that we had in the meeting these uh, historical characters, but at the same time, I thought it's kind of unlikely that one person would meet that many influential historical characters. 
right. within within the time frame that they were talking about, if if not even a lifetime. So right. I think. Unless, unless they were going around in a TARDIS. Yeah, true. But you know, it's all like um, that. That's that was the only thing that 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 bothered me. I had to sustain my my sense of uh, disbelief in order to sort of like buy it. Uh, but I I enjoyed that series. But what I'd love to see is, um, and we talked about this in the past. I'd love to see a series um, that you know covers Indiana Jones's adventure, bet- adventures between the end of between the end of the uh, third Indiana Jones film and the beginning of the Crystal Skull. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff there that's left out. I agree. Because you know it's not gonna be it's not gonna be a big stretch to find an actor um, that that. That can you know possibly, that that can be possibly resemble Harrison Ford in his forties, right? You know because I think Indy was in his forties in that third film. Yeah. So it's supposed to be head heading for forty. Um. So I don't think it's too much of a big ask to find an actor that could do do do, do that could do uh, do that. Yeah, I, I as much as I hate to admit, it, I think Harrison Ford is just too old to do another movie. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of thinking the same as well. I mean, you know, by the time Disney get around to it, he'll probably be in his eighties. Yeah, sadly, sad but true. I've been trying to keep my jonesing back on for Indiana Jones going by um, watching an old TV series from the early eighties called Tales of the Gold Monkey, starring Stephen Collins. Yeah, I've got that on DVD, and that show's terrific. Yeah, I got, I got the whole lot of that on DVD. Another great one was uh, Bring Them Back Alive. Uh, oh, yeah. Which was Bruce Boxnighter, which they haven't released yet on DVD. I don't know whether they are, whether there's plans to release it or not. But I, I found a boot, I found a couple of bootleg uh, videos of it, which was such poor quality that they were just not watchable. Um, you know, the picture was grainy, and they'd, they'd been recorded on someone's v, VHS, and um, they'd obviously had issues with the tracking because you got the white noise lines at the bottom, and and. They're just really, unfortunately, not watchable. Uh-huh. I'd, but, love, I'd love to see that show. I'd buy that in a heartbeat if that was on DVD. Uh, I'd get that in a heartbeat as well, because I, 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 I only ever remember seeing a handful of episodes of it when it was actually on, because it used to be on ITV, and right. uh, those clever oinks um, on ITV used to schedule it um, at exactly the same time that BBC One was showing Tales of the Gold Monkey. Right. They came on. They were, Matter of fact, they were competitors here in the United States at the same time as well. Mm-hmm. But you know, you also had a, you know, you, you know, he also had his Troncoil co-star um, in the um, in, te- in, right. in in Bring Him Back, right? Um, but that that was a good series. It was sort of like, um, and it was and it was based on a real person as well. Right. Yeah. Frank Buck. Yeah. So it was a, um, you know, I'd I'd love to see that released on DVD. Yeah, and I'd I'd love to see new adventures with Indiana Jones on TV. I mean, there's nothing on TV like that right now. That's just an action-based show. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, so well, you know, um, I think if, you know we've not we've not got an action-based period show. That's what we've not got. Right. We've yeah. got we've got plenty of action. We've got a few action shows. Um, I mean, you know, the almost humans kind of an action show. Right. Um, but you know, Atlantis. So, pardon. Atlantis is pretty much an action show as well. Yeah, um, that that that's you know you, you're going to be blown away by the series finale for that one. Oh, don't say a word. I don't want to know. I've I've reviewed it already, so I'm not okay, going to. Sp- I don't read your reviews until after I get to see them. I'm not going to spoil it for you. Um, and there's a new there's a new Musketeer show starting up in a couple of weeks here in the UK as well on BBC One. Oh, that's um, right. Uh, with Peter Capaldi playing uh, Cardinal Cardinal Richelieu. Oh, he'd be so. great. If if that gets renewed, um, they might struggle to get Peter Capaldi back. 
I think they could actually re I think they actually could schedule it because you know if you remember in the film right Rishigu wasn't you know in every scene of the films he was just sort of like referred to several you know he, he didn't have 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 you know have have a massive part so right. so I think Capaldi could still play Rishigu and still do Doctor Who that'd be that'd be great if he could play I mean, one of the greatest heroes and one of the greatest villains ever yeah I mean it's all like um in fact, I was I was kind of hoping that he'd keep the beard and moustache that he has as Rishigu for his doctor. Oh, oh, that'd be great! But a he's doctor not. With a beard and a moustache. Yeah, a doctor with a with with something like a goatee. Yeah, you that'd know, be fantastic. kind of bottom. You know, because I've not had a doctor with facial hair yet. No, uh huh. It's not happened. The doctor's always been clean shaven and uh, very clean cut. Huh. Um, no, with the exception of Tom Baker and. Uh, and um and maybe Patrick Troughton, you you saw sort of like kind of like um, they're very 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 alternative really. Yeah. Or, or the other doctors are being kind of dandies or gentlemen. Right. <laughs> you know so, um and you know the less said about Colin Baker's attire the better. Although Colin <laughs> Baker was actually a good pretty good. I thought he was a pretty good Doctor Who to be honest. He was just you know he was just cheated with the bad scripts and everything. And the, yeah. And and the gaudish horrible costume and um and and Mel, yeah. <laughs> so he you know Colin Baker just um I've actually met him twice. He's a lovely bloke, um but I, th- I think he just had terrible luck when it came to playing playing the Doctor in you know right. dur- during his time in the TARDIS, and I've I've heard a few of his big finish adventures since, and um, his big finish adventures um. Really, it had they been had they been sort of the adventures he had in the series, you know when when he was doing the series. Um, right. I I I think he probably would have stuck been been sticking around for a little while longer. Uh, tears your heart out to think about that. It, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. But yeah, you know Star Wars, though the the comic thing, it's bad news. Yeah, it's 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 gonna be interesting. That's all I can say. I'm sure there'll be stuff coming out soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of gutted about it all because I I I didn't read the uh, Dark Horse ones. I mean, I've been reading the Star Wars, right? And I need to ring them up about my comics because I'm only I've only got as far as issue three of that, and you know, it's just uh you know I want to read the rest of it. Probably the the best one they have out. Well, there's two series that are really good: Star Wars: The Dark Times, which takes place right after the third movie, mm-hmm. and um, Star Wars: Dawn of the Jedi, which goes to the very beginning of the Jedi in the universe. The Dark Times, is that the one where Luke Skywalker turns to the dark side of the Force for a time and, um, you know, oh. he, he hooks up with the Emperor's ghost? No, no, no. This is um, this is a completely new uh, Jedi who's on the run from Darth Vader. All right. And it's it's really outstanding writing and unbelievable art. It's gorgeous. Mm. Well, on the, um, on the video games front to do with Star Wars, uh, Star Wars Battlefront is meant to be coming out this year on PS4. That's right. The trouble is, it might not do because uh, Disney are being a pain in the ass about the licensing. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with them. <laughs> you know, but you know, I'd be really annoyed if it doesn't come out because I've, I've seen somebody. You know, I never played the original Battlefront. I never got to play with it, but I've seen somebody uh, proposed um, things and graphics and stuff like that for this. You know, in rough draft, right. and it looks awesome. Yeah. You, you basically can play a rebel or or, or a member of the um, of the empire empire's army, um, right. and you're armed with a blaster or a pistol or even a lightsaber. Because I think you can play a Jedi as well. 
and uh, basically you, um, you you need these missions sort of thing um, in single player and you get to fly the uh, X-Wings, TIE Fighters, the whole lot. Oh, that's perfect. And, you know, for me that's perfect because one of my favourite Star Wars games ever was uh, Star Wars Rogue Squadron. Oh, yeah. You know, I used to love playing. You know, I used to love flying the X-wings and uh, and stuff like that. Uh, but the ultimate for me, if they ever bought out on a video game, I'd love to fly the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, you and everybody else. <laughs> yeah, that that that'd be such that'd be such a thrill. Um, but you know, I'm I'm just hoping that you know when when they do bring out Star Wars games, they they don't just uh, go with shoot 'em ups and strategy and uh, games. I I want to see a uh, I want to see sort of like uh, a couple of Star Wars games where, where where it goes back to sort of like you know things like missions taking on Death Star and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm not really a, I'm not really a big first person shooter guy. And, right, it it does get boring after a while. And I'm I'm also not really a big fan of the uh, of the Force Unleashed series as well. Where you have where you have a Jedi going around with lightsaber, kicking everything in sight. Right. You know, I'd I'd rather fly X wings all day, because <laughs> that that's my that's my calling, dude. That that's what I, you know, that that's what I live for in Star Wars. Um, you know, strap myself into my uh play, my my PlayStation Type X wing and um just 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 fly around and shoot everything. You know that that's just heaven. <laughs> But you know, I think I think you know if I if I didn't have trouble with epilepsy and stuff like that, and didn't didn't have that growing up and stuff like that, I probably would have been a pilot, <laughs> um, combat fighter pilot, right? <laughs> um, and and not a very good one. <laughs> but yeah, is there any any other news? Um, uh, that's that's about all I've got. Okay, well, I've got a, um, you know, you know, I'm gonna, um, you know, to play us out before we go on to the interview. Um, I don't know if you've come across these guys, but there's actually a band um, on the um, on the internet. They're they're called Scythe Ride, huh. and you know, I'm I'm gonna play a song of theirs to to lead us into the interview. It's called Looking Back at Today, and and you can you can you know learn more about the band by just typing in Google Scythe Ride. Um, and and it's kind of like sci as in science as in science fiction and fried as in fried foods, and they're kind of like a rock band. I'm gonna play a song of theirs called "Looking Back at Today," which is a a really cool song, and you can listen to more of a, this you know science fiction genre type of rock music um, over at Nerdy FM. Um, so before we hand over to the interview with Cider Tan, uh, here's a little bit of Cyfried with Looking Back at Today.
Okay, well, I'd like to welcome my friend uh, Cyber Tan back to the show. He's got some great new comics coming out. Um, well, we've got some great new comic, um, or should we say trade paperbacks that, that come out. Uh, one of which I've just read, which was very amusing, uh, called Hagen Fork. How are you doing, Cy? Pretty good. Yourself? I'm I'm pretty good. I mean, it's, it's really exciting speaking to you. Not spoke to you in over a year. Yeah, it, it, I was think, I was thinking, how, trying to look at how long it had been. And the last time I think was we were horrible. just starting to talk about um, one of the books I was doing for the Unseen Shadows mm-hmm. project with uh, Barry Nugent's um, Transmedia um, Empire, as it's become now. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I probably have an update on that at some point if you <laughs> if you have time. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, that'd be cool. I mean, you know, fingers. Uh, the last time I remember actually speaking to you was at Thought Bubble uh, at the uh, 2012 Thought Bubble. So unfortunately, with my computer dying this year, I wasn't able to attend this year's Thought Bubble because all the money that I that I uh, saved for that went to buying a new computer. Yeah, we missed you. We missed you. It was sad. Yeah, I was, I was, I was actually, uh, I was actually really, really good at. But at the same time, I did get to see Doctor Who that weekend, so that kind of made up for it. Yeah, a lot of people dropped out the, the party on the uh, on, on that evening. Uh, so, so we we showed up at, at the uh, at the gig, and there was almost literally no one there. But by the time we left, um, the Doctor Who thing had had ended, and suddenly they were they were crowding people to to uh, to try and get them in and out. So. Yeah, it does, doesn't, doesn't timing was spectacular. Me. Doesn't surprise me. Uh, but yeah, I'm so like, um, did you did you do do good at Thought Bubble this year? Because last time I last time I was with you guys, you sold everything you bought. Well, yeah, I mean, we actually we had to restock from the publisher uh, twice uh, over the, the course of the of the weekend. So it was it was quite a lot better than we'd been anticipating. It's probably the best convention that we've done, uh, just just from sort of sales wise. But you know, I I try not to judge the success of a convention purely on, on how much uh, of our stock we sold. But uh, but you know, on those standards alone, it was pretty good. Yeah, but you kind of you kind of you know you like to go and sell stuff, but you also like you know you judge it by how much fun you have as well, right? Absolutely, yeah. You know, I mean, so... it was it, it's a tremendous show. It's always had a, a fantastic atmosphere, thought bubble. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it just keeps getting better every year. It's it's crazy. Because because I remember the first one I did uh, a couple of years ago, uh, and uh, I met you and, and Nick for the first time. It was when you were still with, uh, with was it Insomnia? You did, did, That's right. Now yeah, yeah. Insomnia. And I met you guys at the at the hotel there, you know, which mm. was right adjacent to where it was. And it was only yours and uh, a handful of other people booked in. And then the following yep. year, you know, the year after, everyone at the event had booked into our hotel. Isn't That's that- right. I mean, the, the convention then was uh, suddenly twice the size. And it's grown again by another 50% this year. So, uh, you know, they've added a third hall to it this time. There was so much of it that we didn't even get a chance to, uh, to, to even look in the third hall. Mm-hmm. It, it's crazy. It's one serious good event though it's probably you mm. know you know it's the only comic event that i do <laughs> but that said it's the only comic event i need to do yeah oh mm. it's a, it's a the same first month this year uh, it's the only uh, major convention we've done uh the other ones we've done have all been uh there's a, a local one to us called the uh, demon con that, that we uh, we always make a point of going to now because it's it's uh, it's so easy to get to and it's it, again it's a really great atmosphere Mm-hmm. But yeah, in terms of major conventions, it's, it was the uh, it was the one spot on our calendar this year. Mm-hmm. Well, um, you know, for our for our uh, listeners, um, you know, just talking about Harlem Fork uh, right at the beginning of the show, which is a great book, by the way. I thought it was really funny. I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed the setup uh, where where he's trying to negotiate a treaty between the zombies and and that family. <laughs> well, that, I mean that opening framing device. Uh, that that was originally that was the story. That was uh, uh, it, I, I sort of wrote it as a as a, a little eight page short, you know. 
And partway through the, the, the writing process, I, I kind of just, I couldn't, I couldn't stop the story from expanding. And I, there was just so much more I wanted to do with, with the, you know, the character and, and the whole, the whole setup. So, I mean, to put it in, in, uh, in context here, Harlem Folk is really, it's a story of a man who, who literally makes deals with devils. So, whether you're involved in a, in a territorial dispute with an invading parallel dimension, or, or you're simply looking to uh, renegotiate terms with your local tooth fairy, Harlem Folk is ready to represent you. No win, no fee. <laughs> yeah. So, so we started off with, um, you know, this, uh, this opening section that became a framing device for the whole story. Um, and uh, could have kind of collapsed from there into you know, the backstory of the whole thing, which is where the bulk of the, of the, the book sits. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, the, back, the, the backstory of the whole thing is a uh, negotiation goes wrong and um, a, mm. a, a little kid is killed uh, by, yeah. by his three imaginary friends, which are rock, <laughs> paper, scissors. Exactly. Uh, exactly so. Exactly so. You know, which you know, which is really cool. I, I I thought that was pretty cool as well. The whole rock paper scissors things because that's that's kind of like a game that we all play when we when we're kids, mm. sort of thing. But you know, you you've actually sort of like uh, come up with the, you know with with the uh, imaginary physical manifestations of those those characters through 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 the through the mind of a child. I yeah, thought yeah. I was really clever. Quite <laughs> Thank you. you so know. yeah, I mean the, the the whole thing then plays out uh, with the, a hostage negotiator who's who's lost his mind and his job and and, and all his credibility as a result of this this uh, this bizarre. Uh, experience with with a, a child and, and, and his murderous imaginary friends. Um, but you know, uh, several years later, uh, these same killers apparently reemerge, and so this you know, this horribly damaged man is kind of dragged out of uh, of obscurity and, and uh, this cycle of alcoholism and denial and, and despair, and finally gets an opportunity to set out to you know, to solve to close the case that cost him his his whole life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's um, you know just just to just. Get- our listeners know it's really worth uh, looking at uh, Hang and Fork it's available now through Marcosia uh, Publishing here in the UK um, so you know check it out it's, cool. you know, that, that's that's a, that's my, my excuse of a little plug for you um, <laughs> thank you very I mean, much. Is, is Harlem Fork the only book you've had come out this year? Because I do know that you're working on the Indifference Engine too. Yeah, it's the the only full length uh, one this year. Uh, there's been some anthology stuff, um, and there's a lot that's uh, that's happening in the background now. Some of which I can, some of which I can't talk about. So the Indifference Engine Two is one that I can can definitely talk about. Mm-hmm. Well, and I've um, got to admit, I've not had a chance to read the pages of Indifference Engine Two because I've focused all my attention on Harlem Fog because I've really been, <laughs> uh, I've been looking forward to reading Harlem Fog since I first talked to you about it because. That, that, is that like, would have been a while ago. That I is like one of the books I, I uh, brought up in the very first interview that you and I did on Sci-Fi Post on it back in 2008. He was working on wow. it back then. <laughs> so I've been waiting like years for Hagen Fock. Oh, yeah, you and Evo, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I, you know, when when you send me the uh, when you send me that and you send me the uh, first chapter of Indifference Engine, I just I just zoned right in on Hang and Fart because that's the one I really wanted to read. You know. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, the Indifference Engine too. Um, suddenly, I've got to say, I've not actually read the first one. Oh, that's going to make this difficult to talk about. But you can you can talk about it anyway because <laughs> it might it might might encourage me to buy the first one in the new year. Okay. Well, I mean, a little a little background then on the first one it's obviously hard to avoid when you're talking about a sequel you don't want to 
spoilerize the original one too much, but since you haven't haven't read it, I get the little context. Um, well, I think you given me the, century, I, I think you've actually given me because he interviewed you about it around about the time it came out, the first one. Uh-huh. Um, so I think you have given me the context roughly, but you well, know, fair enough. yeah, but just, just a, remind us. Yeah, just oh, oh, the, the 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 top line sort of refresher of it is that it's the story of a twenty-something suburban slacker who inadvertently becomes tangled up in a uh, an inter- interdimensional task force composed entirely of superpowered alternate reality versions of himself. So, you know, that old chestnut. And um, and the, the sequel picks up, um, you know, an unspecified, I think, amount of time after the uh, semi-apocalyptic uh, ending of the first one, which has seen this tra- transition of this guy from a from a professional doormat to a, a one-man extinction event. And uh, so now we find we find him now this this former mid-level programmer turned invulnerable murder factory. Uh, slaughtering his way through this web of interconnected parallel realities because he's been blackmailed blackmailed by this insane computer built largely out of his own brain matter um, and being forced into uh, destroying every single alternate version of himself that exists and by necessity as he does so ending every universe that he passes through until now uh, in the opening chapter of, of, uh, of Indifference Engine 2 The Suicide Show one of his targets unwittingly presents this possible way out. It's his only chance of breaking this this downward spiral that his life and many lives have become, and all it's going to cost him is the future. That's our setup for the second one. And, and that's all it's going to cost him is the future. <laughs> Not a penny more. Mm. Does, does he? Uh, does he happen to be secretly a member of David Cameron's government? <laughs> I <laughs> couldn't possibly comment on that. <laughs> Sorry, that, that, that was in that was in bad taste. I shouldn't I shouldn't swear on on air. So, uh, <laughs> okay, well, yeah, that that sounds like um, really sounds like really scary deep stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I had fun with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not quite as uh, it's not quite as reserved. It's not quite as restrained as the first one was <laughs> it's a little a little wilder but uh, when you read the first one you'll understand well I, I do remember that you know when, when when Wayne Hall was actually with us at Sci-Fi Post on that he actually reviewed the first one and absolutely loved it he did us um, a stunning review, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm just, um, I'm just wondering, would the second one being, being a bit wilder and a bit less reserved, if you know, if if he, if he's gonna, if he's gonna like that one as well? Uh, maybe I'll, just, maybe I'll just, yeah, I'll, just, I'll send him it and. Yeah, yeah be, be curious, be, be interesting to see, see, see how he reviews the second, reviews the second one, <laughs> versus the first. Um, um, because uh, you know he's working, he's working with another site now. I don't know what it is, but you know he's he's kind of moved about since. But I do read his stuff every now and again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, um, it sounds sounds pretty 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 good. It sounds pretty deep. But you know what what I like about your writing is it it, it can be pretty deep, but it's not deep to the point um, of density that Alan Moore writes. <laughs> well, no, I mean I, I would imagine it's not no. <laughs> Um, that, that's meant. That's meant as a compliment, by the way. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll, I'll take it as that. Um, because I, you know, sometimes I can pick up an Alan Moore book and and end up putting it down about quarter way through because I just find it too dense. Mm-hmm. If you know, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean, and uh, end up coming back to it about a month later. <laughs> um, but yeah, that sounds like a really interesting read. Um, I, 
Are you um, are you planning uh, any more sequels to Cancer Town, or was Cancer Town you too know, it? God, this, I actually um, we, we we got asked this and have been asked this recently uh, so many times that actually at one point uh, during the uh, during Thought Bubble on the Sunday I said seriously if if one more person asked me that I'm just going to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, sure enough, within 10 minutes, um, so, so I've started telling people yes, uh, but I have, yeah, but it, it would it would have to be, I'd have to have a really good story in mind for it, because uh, as, I, as I said, you know, we're probably the last time we, we spoke about this, uh, I, I said I felt I would always rather do two very tight stories than three and have a, a weak one. Yeah. You know, so it, it would have to be, it would have to be, a, I'd have to have a very good reason Mean- to, uh, to revisit it now. Having revisited Cancer Town 2 recently, uh, uh, the reason I ask it, ask the question is from my understanding of that conversation we had last year, and also you know the fact that I I read Cancer Town 2 a second time is it it, sem- it it seems to be pretty self-contained, you know the way you ended it, and uh, you know um, the first challenge you'd you'd have would you know would be how are you going to bring this guy back from where yeah, where he's gone would, i mean that's would we even would, would we even bring him back after that in in you know in some ways i think it would be a betrayal of the character to just try and say oh and then no no we we, we fixed that situation that we left him in in the in the last one yeah don't take that seriously that would it would devalue surely the, the you know the journey that he's taken to get to where he ends up uh so i don't know i don't i don't have an easy answer at the moment as to, as to what what a what a third book would even look like mm-hmm. So, uh, and that, that's, that's really all I have to say about it at the moment. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you, you've done quite a bit of anthology stuff this year. Um, could you maybe talk a little bit about that? Mm, um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I've got, obviously, a lot, a lot of the stuff I've been doing um, for anthology has been to do with uh, Unseen Shadows. Uh-huh. So, uh, you remember I already had um, Blood Cries Out, I'm oh, sorry, no, uh, Wrath of God and uh, The Immaculate Abortion of Dina Lee mm-hmm. um, as two um, one-shots for, for the, the first two uh, uh, Unseen Shadows anthologies. I've got I've got one more that's in production at the moment called Eye of Stone uh, that's been you know officially uh, talked about. So I guess I'm, I'm safe to talk about that. There's another one that I'm writing at the moment, which I'm not sure what Barry has told people about, but I have a title and I have a plot and I'm working on the dialogue now. And that's for the next cycle of uh, of um, short story releases. Cool. Well, just before we uh, carry on with that, um, for those um, new to the uh, new, new, new to SFP now. Um, Unseen Shadows is a is an anthology series of uh, trade paperbacks, uh, which is which is spun off from the um, from 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 Barry Nugent's Fallen Heroes novel, um, which you know which is really worth worth going out to read because um, the the uh, second novel of that series um, is likely to be due out um, well sometime in the next millennium. Well. Uh... I saw on Facebook, I think yesterday, Barry announcing that he's he's uh, he's completed the I think the third draft of the second of the second novel. So yeah, I saw that as uh, well. <laughs> it's in the editing and proofreading stage. So uh, so yeah, that, that's it's probably sooner than we think. Uh, I, I saw that as well. I was just teasing. <laughs> but, <laughs> there's a, there's a, there are a lot of people waiting for that book now. Well, it's seriously. been it's been you know everyone's seriously been on ten talks for the uh, second book uh, for a few years now. I mean. Um, I think I first read it in 2008 
and he'd been out about uh, maybe a year to six months at that point. Yeah, when, and when Barry plays it so close to his chest. Even the people who are working on the um, you know the, the expanded universe stuff, we're all very much on a need-to-know basis. Uh, I've seen snippets uh, and little bits that I've, of, of information that I have that are relevant to the things that then I have to uh, to work into you know my little corners of that universe. Um, but really, the, the the grand scheme of it is is uh, is not ours to know about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm thinking we should uh, we should send Barry an exploding white Persian cat for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> That, that really is all he needs uh, to complete his transition to full-on Bond villain. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's got the look already. All you need to do is put him in one of those uh, 70s leisure suits and give him one of those 70s uh, bucket chairs and a white cat and, you know, it's there. <laughs> Actually, as I was saying, it was blood cat was the thing that I was just starting to be able to talk about mm-hmm. uh, the last time we did this. And now those, the scripts are, that's, that's the, uh, I believe it's the first full-length graphic novel spin-off and from, uh, from, from Unseen Shadows. And that's the one about the Reverend. Yeah, it's another Reverend story because I, I love that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've, um, we're, we're doing something very different with him in this. In fact, it's, it's drawing together actually uh, several threads that you know unify the, the, uh, the various stories that I've written before. So uh, it kind of, it, it's, a, it's a drawing together of, uh, of you know, the, the elements of the, that I've had a hand in with, some, with a load of stuff that I've pulled from the, uh, from the general body of, of, of Barry's enormous amount of back matter mm-hmm. that, he's, uh, that he's got in his in his head and on paper everywhere. He's got he must he must have filled his house with uh, with, with this stuff that, that a lot of which nobody would ever see because it, it's uh, it's for him to know so that he can make sense of his of his world. You know, so uh, it, it's uh, it's one of the great things work, about working with Barry is that you, you can't you can't ever ask him a question that he hasn't got the answer. You know, either directly to hand or can immediately extrapolate from from what he what he has done. You know, he can immediately project to you how a character would react in a certain uh, situation. It frees you up enormously as as a writer trying to sort of navigate this mm-hmm. because uh, you, you, it's it's almost impossible to get wrong footed. Yeah, because he can always put you back on track with like you know one email or quick reference to to a, to the novel. His his knowledge is is by necessity you know encyclopedic because it, it, it's all his own work. So mm-hmm. yeah, we'll have to get Barry on here in the new year when 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 the new book comes out. Oh, it needs to happen, definitely. You know, because it's. Uh, I'll, I'll, lean, I'll absolutely lean on him for you. Well, you know, so like, if if we have Barry on here, might we might as well bring you on as well because you you've been oh, yeah. working a lot of him. <laughs> Um, and um, maybe maybe even see if we can get Stephen Downey back on as well. Yeah, hell. Cool. You know, um, because I, I read a I read that comic he did uh, with with the other guy. I can't remember the name of it now. Um, it's about the uh, oh Moon. Have read, oh, okay, have, Steve Penfold. Have you read Moon? <laughs> Yeah, Steve, Steve Penfold, not Steve Downey. I thought he said Steve Downey. Oh, Steve Penfold, yeah, because he did the artwork Penfold. on he did the artwork on the uh, first first uh, Fallen Heroes anthology, right? He did he did uh, my story in that, A Wrath of God. He's also drawing uh, the new the four part um, you know the, the the graphic novel Blood Cries Out, the, the new Reverend one. Mm-hmm. Um, and who the hell knows what else in between? My God, the man is is, is uh, in demand. Yeah, but yeah, Moon, Moon is awesome. <laughs> Yeah, Moon, Moon was brilliant. I've, I've I've read the first two issues of that, and um, I don't know if it's done issue three yet. Um, uh, or not. I, d- I don't think it's out because it just uh, uh, I, if, it, if it is, if it is, I've missed it somehow. I wished through those two books, you know, so fast. As soon as I got home from the Nas Art Bubble, they were the first two that I read, and it's just a it's just an awesome 
awesomely fun, fun, fun concept. You know, it, it absolutely, it absolutely is. It's, it's, it's one of my, one of my highlights. Yeah. From, uh, yeah, things that I picked up on the, on the, the, the convention circuit. Yeah, I mean, I've still got to read the, um, I've still got to read the second uh, Dick Turpin from, um, oh God, what's his name now? Stephen. Or Steve Tanner. Steve Tanner. I've still got to read his second Dick Turpin mm. book. You know, the one about the zombie hookers or the vampire hookers. <laughs> Yeah, well, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's working his way through the whole the whole roster of, of classic um, of horror you know, monsters. So he's uh, yeah. So this is a, I think a, a massively uh, furiously invented take on on uh, Dick Turpin. And obviously uh, Graham Howard had uh, had quite a hand in that. Who's uh, the artist on Town too? So yeah, it's it's funny actually because I first met Steve, um, you know, Steve Tanner at um, the MCM Expo in Manchester when they first started bringing it to Manchester, and I went to the first one. I got a press pass to the first one. And I couldn't. I met Craig Charles briefly, but he he wasn't allowed to do any interviews about Red Dwarf because he was contracted mm-hmm. to both from Coronation Street. So. <laughs> Well, that's what he said anyway. Um, but I did get to speak with him briefly, and uh, I did, I did, I did kind of quote him in a story. <laughs> so you know, I, I technically did it, did did do a bit of an interview with him. But then I met oh. Steve Tanner, and um, I bought his first Dick Turpin uh, comic from him while, while I was there. And mm-hmm. the the one thing I, I've got to say about Steve Tanner is we've got to, we've got to do an interview with him at some point for this show. Um, but the one thing you know you, you always notice about Steve Tanner is he always wears the most outrageous jackets. No, yeah, he had a, he had an entirely new jacket this time. Yeah, you know. Oh, you you, you haven't seen it? Yeah, there's a photograph actually. If you if you check, uh, it's probably on my my blog. I've seen it. There's Nick, a picture of, of Nick wearing the new the new coat. Yeah, Nick Nick stole it off him, didn't she? She stole. Oh, it off she him. she would have given given him the chance. Yeah. Seriously, I mean, but, uh, I mean I've uh, I've taken to wearing yeah. hats now. You probably see my profile pick on Facebook and wearing a trilby. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, you know that's, <laughs> that's my that's my go-to hat now. No, it's very classic. Yeah, so I'm, I'm wearing hats now. I'm, I'm I'm tempted. I'm thinking about getting myself a part pie hat, but I don't think I think a suit trilby is better. So you know, I might no, you, can't, you can't go wrong with trilby. Yeah, you know, I, I was going to get a fedora like the Indiana Jones thing, but then I thought, mm-hmm. nah, that's a bit bit naff. You know, <laughs> I, I I can't I can't pull it off like Harrison Ford. So. <laughs> Oh, you can, you can. Um, but yeah, you know, moving on, you know, you've been doing the anthology stuff for uh, Barry Nugent. Um, in- yeah, also the uh, the British Showcast anthology, which uh, which uh, just came out this year. I've got a story in uh, in the first volume of that uh, with an artist called Roland Bird, who is stunning. Uh, he's, he's, he's absolutely fantastic, and you know, so much so that I've I've, I've sort of immediately grabbed him for for a, a, another a, another graphic novel that I can't yet really talk much about but uh, but yeah it's it's uh, working on these anthologies is a fantastic way of of uh, of you know casting the net if you want to you meet people to to, to collaborate with mm-hmm. well you know so like um as you know i got several story ideas just i don't really have time to write them <laughs> <laughs> that's always the thing yeah. um, but you know um, but I, I kind of enjoy reading the anthologies um, you know I'm a sucker for anthologies I always have been but the great thing about you know the great thing I've always thought about you know when, when I've been to Fort Bubble and stuff like that I mean obviously I've got to meet you guys I've made, made friends with you and Nick and um, and Barry and um, 
and quite a few people. I mean, um, I, I, I've even made friends with Ro, Ro Bird and, and his, his other half, Kaz, mm. uh, at the last one, well, um, as, as well as Valda, Valda Capaldi, is it? I can't hear what you're saying, sorry. Is where, he, and she, she did the artwork on one of your books, uh, The Lady from Greece. Valia Capaldi. Valia Capaldi, yeah. I'm just wondering yeah, if she's... Yeah, sorry, I, I could not unpack what you were saying there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she uh, she did uh, well. She she drew uh, white knuckle. Yeah, that's right. Um, for me, and also uh, the uh, immaculate abortion of Dina Lee. Mm-hmm. So I've I've worked with her you know, more than once, and that you can't. That's 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 what my recommendation is. I've worked with this person more than one time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you know, it was kind of fun meeting meet, meeting her and uh, and Ro Bird because I remember I was I was going uh, watching both work because we were doing little sketches on napkins when I was there, which which which, which was pretty cool. So you know, thought bubbles always uh, always fun event. Um, so what's what's going ahead for 2014 for you? Do you can, can you talk about anything you've got in the pipeline? Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess the contracts, I believe, are all signed on this. So I guess it's okay to start talking about Phantom Lung and the Garden of Dead Liars, which is my uh, parapsychological uh, thriller. Um, it's kind of a dual reality story about a delusional, obsessive conspiracy theorist who uses uh, Russian Cold War era remote viewing techniques to move his consciousness from body to body at will, uh, his victims being determined by sort of distorted half-memories and this overwhelming paranoia uh, as he's, he's going on this murderous crusade against anyone remotely connected with the program that created him. Cool. So wherever Phantom Lung travels, he's leaving borrowed, stolen, and murdered bodies in his wake. Cool. So is, it, is, it only, <laughs> is it only human bodies? Yeah, well, uh, well you'll, you'll see. You'll <laughs> 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 see eventually when we move when we when we uh, when we get closer to uh, to launching, I think that's uh, that's that's signed with Marcosia. The artist on that one is is uh, is Russ Leach, who's the guy who's doing uh, Indifference Engine Two, and this he has absolutely astounded me because um, he he can turn out uh, two pages of what he's referring to as rough pencil. All right, I give you an idea what what rough pencils means in Russ Leach's world. Uh, I we took these so-called rough pencils and uh, and Nick lettered them, and that's 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 what you've got in that uh, in that chapter I said you this this is like this is this is what he, what he thinks of as like thumbnails just like a guideline for what the final art's going to be yeah that looks like it's that looks like, like pretty is, finished art to me yeah it's it, it looks everyone everyone says the same thing this is brilliant this is this is obviously finished art no this is this is this, these are his preliminary roughs all right <laughs> the man, the man is, is blisteringly fast and just phenomenally good and uh, I, I I cannot believe how lucky I got uh, in in uh, in meeting him. Mm. Um, you know, it'd be quite be, be looking forward to see see what comers are like um, over, over the top of that. Um, have you got a comer? I mean, I mean, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, hang on a second. I think he uh, he comes with his. It's like one of these like a package deal. He comes with his own colorist. All right. Well, that's, that's no, I'm just, I'm, good. I'm just, I'm just going to check. Yeah, but no, that's right. It's right. He, he comes. He comes. <laughs> to refer back to my notes because I've got. You're asking me what what things I've got coming up. I've got like five more books that are that are scripted now that I I'm sort of sifting through what I can and can't say about them. But uh, but yeah, um, he uh, he's, he's he's got this guy called Mike Summers who's done uh, some of his work who's, who's worked with uh, with Russ in the past. So they came as, as kind of like a like a package deal, which is an absolute best case scenario when you're when you're trying to assemble a team right. because not only not only has the guy decided that he wants to work with me he's actually recommended my work to a friend so and because they know each other you can't you can't uh, you know you, you can't overestimate the, uh, the the value of this uh, that they know each other well already you know they know 
they, they can work together and they, they've had good experiences uh, working together before. So that that's a, that's a tremendous sort of uh, a, a leg up when you're actually uh, you know, putting together a, a, a book like this. Mm-hmm. Well, it's one of the reasons why why I always work with with Nick as a letter because we, we've been we, we've got a, a system that's that's worked for so long for us now that uh, it, it, it's difficult for me to shift gears then and, and work with the you know with somebody else. It, it, you, you can do it. it. It's you know it's it's perfectly functional. But there's a there's an immediacy to the to the, the to the way that, that Nick and I sort of work together that that's that, uh, not really possible to replicate. Mm-hmm. Cold. Well, I I really like Nick's lettering by the way because I like mm-hmm. uh, you know she she seems to do something very different for each book. Um, well, she comes which, which, she which... comes to it from an artist's perspective. You see, so she's got and also I mean without getting too sort of technical, what she does for for a for a living, but she uh, she's an expert in in uh, in guiding a reader's eye through the information on a on a web page and many of the skills that she's developed in her user experience you know side of her work are immediately transferable to to comics and mm-hmm. given that she she was an artist first as well and um, you know she 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 has basically all these different uh, approaches that she can bring to bear on on, on comics it's, it's, she's, she's kind of you couldn't if you if you had to build a letterer from scratch you you couldn't build <laughs> build a, a a a more perfectly designed one than nick mm-hmm. yeah you you're gonna have to uh, you're gonna have to get get a few clones made of made, made of a <laughs> Oh, plans are in motion there. Yeah, no, no, no worries about that. Yeah, um, <clears throat> but you know, like, like I was saying, um, every every book of yours that I've read that Nick's edited, she's she's done something completely different with with each one, and even down to the point where she's you know using a slightly different style to the lettering for each individual character. Like in in <laughs> Harlem Fork, for example, the uh, the monsters that that were speaking, you know, you you had the uh, the the, uh, the 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 imaginary friend friend of the second kid. The older brother, I think he was called Stephen or something. Mm-hmm. Um, he he was speaking in red lettering, which was sort of like it was kind of like a blood curdle type style. Um, <laughs> yeah, she she's she's got a she's got a ton of different tricks that she uh, that she's adding to all the time. You know, so that that's something that's something I notice uh, that that I really like about the work that 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 that, that Nick's done on on your box. Um, that you know, I've got to be honest, I've not really seen it. I've not really seen letters, you know, as a rule in 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 standard fair comics uh, no, I think it, it all does come from approaching it as uh, you know you, the important thing is that the, 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 the text on a page should never be fighting the art and vice versa they have to be you know so you, the fact that Nick can approach it as an artist she, you know, she, uh, she she's developed a set of technical skills that allow her to you know put the words on the page but that's only a tiny fragment of what she actually does in the production of a, of a, of a comic mm-hmm. so yeah it, it's um, the, she, she's constantly exploring constantly adding to you know the the, the skill set that she's developed. Yeah, if, if and, ever uh, I, uh, I, th- I think it really does show through. And in, in you know, she's got a very, I think, a, a distinctive style well, now that uh, that people are, are, are and have always been responding well to. You know. Well, you know, if ever I did get my uh, did get my comic book ideas scripted and everything, you know, I'd probably want I'd probably want to borrow Nick as an editor. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I mean, you know, uh, a, a lot of people have asked. <laughs> I'd, I'd probably just hand it over to her and say, you know, do do what you want with it, and you can even let Siri ride it if you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I see. I'm I'm being rubbed in on this as well now. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, but, have your people call my people, and we'll we'll do lunch sometime. Okay, that that's cool. Uh, we're doing lunch at the next spot bubble. Um, <laughs> you know, I'll, 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 I, I'll, I actually don't have any people. I, I should probably yeah. make that clear. I'll, I'll buy I'll buy you a Mackey D's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
because I'm a cheapskate. Doubling my usual, uh, my usual fee there. Yeah, I mean, it's not like, um, you know, you're getting, you're getting 99p cheeseburger instead of a 50p cheeseburger. <laughs> well, hell, if we're talking seriously about it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, well, Sai, it's been it's been great having you on. Um, yeah, as ever. And if you got any, you know, we we'll, we'll, we'll obviously we'll try and touch base in about song like six months' time when you got more more stuff coming out. Uh-huh. You know, well, maybe yeah, you can talk th- about. I say there's more stuff coming through all the time. But I've got these. Uh, I'm looking at my list now. There's actually there's literally five books in production. One uh, only one of which I'm still writing. So I've got uh, four of them have have art teams assembled and and already working. So but. Again, it's 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 one of those. So there's there's this perpetually going to be things that that you you can't you can't quite announce yet, and it's it's uh, it's one of the, the major frustrations of of, uh, of of working this way. But uh, but yeah, so there, there's there's stuff coming all the time now. Mm. Oh, you know, just one thing before we go. Um, have you had any offers from Marvel or DC based on you know quite quite you know quite a bit of work you've done because. You know, I should imagine your works are like uh, going from hitting the the niche that that they're at comic cons to to sort of more mainstream areas now, right? Well, yeah. Let's. Uh, I mean, I've often said that I wouldn't touch superheroes unless I felt that I had something you know very much worth saying about them. That said, I am currently the one the one book that I'm still writing uh, of the the five that I kind of keep vaguely alluding to. The one that I'm still writing did start off as uh, this. This is going to be my mainstream pitch. This is going to be my. Uh, my, uh, you know, my all ages, uh, good intentions, uh, you know, old fashioned fun sort of sort of superhero book. And that that lasted until the first atrocity on page two. And it's 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 uh, let's, let, let's let's just not kid ourselves about that. It's, it's gone. It's gone pretty dark since then. But um, yeah, uh, I don't I honestly don't know that. I, I always said I don't, I don't know if I would take seriously a, uh, a, a, a family friendly mainstream big two type book written by me. I mean, hell. Yeah, you know, if, uh, if 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 anyone wants to give me a call about that, then then uh, that yeah, my my contact details are all over the website. But but um, I'd ha- I'd have to have something very very specific to say there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just um, uh, I'm I'm just kind of surprised you've not been approached. You know, given the body of work that that you've done in in recent years. I, I yeah, I mean I don't know. Is, is there anything? Can, can you, I, looking back through, you know, my uh, the five or six um, full-length graphic novels and the, and the and the ton of short stories I've done, I'm not certain really that there's anything there that screams, yeah, put this guy on Daredevil. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Let's get the twelve-year-olds reading this stuff. Personally, as a reader, I wouldn't put you on Daredevil. I wouldn't even put you on Superman or Batman. I'd, I'd probably more than likely put you on something like Frankenstein, Agents of Shade. Oh or, or, no, no, or actually, no, now we're talking. Yeah, or, okay. Or, or something. something Something that's sort of like uh, you know mainstream, but not quite mainstream. If you know what I mean, mm-hmm. you know, some somewhere in between. Um, I mean, let's just say I'm, I mean I'm not I'm not in a position to be turning down offers because you know <laughs> if I put you on if I put you on Superman, Batman, or Daredevil, you'd kill them inside of the first page. I mean, let's face it, they'd be dead. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's hard for me to deny that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well, yeah. there's not a truth to it. They'd be dead inside of the first page, you know. And those, most of those characters have been dead at least uh, at least once. Uh, so you know that that uh, I, I don't know that that would necessarily be the obstacle. Yeah, but you, you'd <laughs> kill you'd kill them permanently. You'd find a way. <laughs> I mean, 
I, I would I would love for comics to be the, uh, the the main way that I secure my living. I, I would I would absolutely love for that to be the case and for that to last forever mm-hmm. by by whatever means. So yeah, you know I'm 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 open to the idea of it certainly. Okay. Uh, as as to, as to what any individual person's uh, you know chances are, uh, I'm I'm keeping I'm keeping very realistic about that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I've I'm always sort of content to, to have uh, you know one foot on the the uh, the lowest rung of the shortest ladder in the industry. And I, but I'm getting to do my own stories, featuring my own characters, and uh, and having you know and this element of control that when on a, on a franchise, uh, you know, on a, a major uh, work for hire deal, you're in a very different situation creatively. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it seems. So it seems from the outside looking in. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've I've, I've just have been having so much fun doing what I've been doing. Um, obviously, I want to look at, at making this something more uh, more significant and more permanent, and, and uh, you know, ultimately more profitable. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, yeah, you know, okay. if if it if it ever happens, I'll be over the moon. Uh, right. If uh, if it doesn't, I've got a I've got a a back catalogue now of, of work that I'm I'm actually pretty proud of. You know, I'm very pleased to have uh, to, to have been involved in, in comics to the extent that I have so far. Mm-hmm. Well, I've just got to say, you know, Hang and Fork to me that that that's sort of like one of your characters that I can see you doing ongoing stories with. Oh, I mean, you know. <laughs> Uh, I guess enough people are left alive at the end of the story to so to to to, uh, to say more about it. But I mean, it it is it is the the story I think of uh, of all the books that I've done. It's the one that during the the uh, production cycle, which was was fairly long, um, it had the most uh, commercial interest from outside parties. Uh, so um, yeah, I, I'd I'd like to think it's got legs. Yeah, I, I think I think it you know I think it's got quite a few legs to be honest because. Uh, you know the no- the notion the notion of a of a guy that negotiates with monsters and the supernatural. Um, I don't think that's ever been done before. I, I, th- I think we're prepared to say that, yeah, <laughs> without, without without looking it up or or, uh, or or you know allowing any any possible invasion of of actual researcher information into this. I'm prepared to say yes, it's an entirely original idea, and I'm sure no one has ever done it before. Mm-hmm. I'd, so, I'd certainly like to believe that if I could have had one uh, one totally original idea in the whole of my life, I'd, I'd be thrilled if that were Harlem Falk. I don't, I don't, you know, so I don't think it's been done before as as a comic book or as an ongoing sort of thing. I think it's probably it's been... never been done before as a four issue comic book by Marcosia under this title ever. <laughs> I can certainly say that with, with very little fear for of of um, lawsuit. <laughs> but you know, I do think that the, the you know people have done it before. You know, to make up part of the story, but the the negotiator's never been the main character. I'd, li- I'd like to think so. Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, Why not? But you know, it's um, it, there's it, a, people who've written a whole lot of things that I probably haven't read. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it was it was it was certainly a new idea to me when I had it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> more than that, I can't say. But yeah, if it if it strikes people as something unusual, uh, then I'm happy. If it strikes people as as uh, you know as, as uh, something intriguing, then I then I'm 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 really happy with that. Uh, and if it turns out to be an enjoyable book to read as well, well, hell, you know, <laughs> job done. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, um, site. Thanks a lot for your time. Next time on the new audio adventures of Star Trek: The Continuing Mission. I know who you are. You're Captain Paul Edwards. Why am I sitting here with you? You have something better to do tonight? I don't know what you hope to accomplish by following the Doctor around Managua all night. Don't you think sneaking around like that is a little undignified? You know this stuff isn't half bad once you get used to it. A little plain, isn't it? Plain? That's my mother's own recipe. That building is a brothel. I think we both know what he's doing in there. Why don't you just stay here tonight? 
And if you want to, you can take one of these old birds up in the air in the morning. I didn't know you two were fond of Nicaragua. Oh, yes. Fond. Very fond. I can't feel my head. I would say your bushmills does an adequate job. Aye, that it does, Miss Nitrokov. <laughs> Nothing like a night in Managua. I don't know why I let you talk me into this. Don't bruise the cheese ball. Right, 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 right. Only on the new audio adventures of Star Trek. The continuing mission at continuingmission.com. 30 seconds. Okay, engine stop. We copy it down. Remember when science fiction drama envisioned stories that were happening where no one had gone before? Discovering and exploring other worlds far, far away. While many of these series and films became cult classics, somewhere along the way, this genre got lost. Imagine if there was a place where you could go watch exciting new space opera series made specifically for the niche audience that you are. Imagine if this place was conducted by a team as passionate as you about science fiction and who would use all their background experience to make sure you get the best entertainment possible. SOS is a not-for-profit independent production facility that brings together writers, special effects wizards, and other creative talent from around the world who've worked on some of the most recognizable and respected science fiction franchises. So throw away your remote control and get real control by joining the Space Opera Society right now. With as little as one dollar, you can change the future of entertainment today. For more information, please visit our website. Which is, of course, spaceoperasociety.com. Where all your questions will be answered in our frequently asked questions page. And don't miss our short video presentation from some of our space opera series in development. And I'll step off the limit. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Everybody, this is Nick Tarabay, uh, Asher, and uh, Spartacus God of the Arena, Spartacus Blood and Sand, and the new Spartacus as well. And uh, I'm here at SFP now. Keep listening and keep watching. Thank you so much. Well, that's about all we have for this week. Um, that's probably uh, one of our longest shows in a while. Um, next week we have Amy and Vicky Howe uh, joining us um, they're the uh, producers and writers behind a new exciting web series uh, which is which, which should be out now um, if not it's due out um, it's called Sits One Sits and it's um, it's a really cool you know looking horror series that that's um, that, that that should be out pretty soon and you know it's it's quite an unusual interview because uh, Vicky and um, Amy they're, they're both uh, they're both British and it's not really very much well you know it's it's kind of growing here in the UK but you know you'll notice um, um, on on Marx's show John Retainment whenever he he has uh, people uh, from web series on uh, a majority of them seem to be from either the US or Canada that um, there are very few uh, web web series produ productions happening uh, here in the UK. It's, it's kind of like a growing scene here still. Um, but there there is one one I know of in Stoke. Um, but you know it's kind it's kind of cool. 
Um, I really like what Vicky and Amy are doing, and um, I'm kind of looking forward to uh, you know you guys hearing about it too. Um, anyway, that's it for now. Uh, we'll be back at you next week. Uh, keep listening, and don't you know? Don't forget. Uh, you can always check out um, our past shows in our in our archives on um, on iTunes. Um, the keyword in iTunes is a uh, Sci-Fi Pulse Radio. And also, if you if you check us out on on um, on most Tuesdays um, on on the website at www.scifipulseradio.com, um, you'll you'll find um, you know our, our past shows there as well. Um, and every Tuesday, of course, well, well, most Tuesdays, because um, it's been a bit, uh, it's been a bit broken up of late because Matt's has been really busy with various projects. But um, on most Tuesdays, you'll find uh, you'll find genre attainment, um, which is uh, another one of our uh, of our shows, which you know looks at uh, genre entertainment uh, from web series to uh, well-known actors and and and, uh, and people from you know television and film. Um, as well as sort of like uh, game producers as well, so you know there's always something going on um, on on genre attainment, much like there is here on SFP now. Uh, thanks for listening, and be back at you next week. We offer the world order.